0: Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights.
1: Welcome back to the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your guest, Kurt Elster, not your host. I'm I'm filling in for the next thirty to forty seconds, perhaps. You may know me from another show, the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, where I'm Kurt Elster as well, aka Jack Nasty. A delightful show. This one, I promise, will be better, will be saner, and on it we are going to discuss some of the uh, experience I have gained in the last ten years doing two things: working in the Shopify partner ecosystem. And podcasting about working in the shopify partner ecosystem, and so I'm uh thrilled to have Brad here, who did a phenomenal job coming up with original not canned questions to ask me and maybe stump me a little there's there's some some thinkers in here, but I will turn it back to brad let's Let's talk through some of these. This will be exciting
0: all right so we we got started before I hit record. we were going through and you know, Riverside popped up with, "Hey, you know, Kurt's using Roadcaster." I don't know. I was like, "What? What's this thing that I'm have to be worried about?" And he just starts doing all these, yeah, clicking buttons and Ezra's. What? Ezra has a yeah, that one. And yeah, so I'm like, "What? What's going on here?" Anyways, excited to have Kurt here. I think you are episode 76 or 77, about a year and a half in. I told myself when we started a year and a half ago, I said we'll get to 100 episodes and make a call. Has it been worth it or not? I can say 100% has been worth it. So with that, let's get into the questions. I just saw one. I guess I was joking. I'm I'm laughing because I was getting all these, you know, the what? The Snoop Dogg or Little John whoever that is. That was Little John. Yeah, Little John. What have you learned over 500 plus episodes of podcast production? And for those listening, the reason I want to start with that is how can these learnings be applied to D2C? We see many D2C folks starting their own podcast. Chew on this. Obviously, Nick Sharma has his and there's others. So it's not just a B2B thing anymore. So what have you learned?
1: When I started it, I was really awkward. Like when you start it, you're, you're just interviewing people as a skill, hosting a show as a skill, producing a show as a skill, edit, like all of these things are skills. If you have not done them before, you're going to be bad at them and no one's going to care. As a, you just have to commit to, I'm going to do a the, my, the best job I can, which isn't that great. And for at least six months, I'm just going to be screaming into the void. No one is going to pay attention or care, which is good because you're not doing a good job to begin with anyway. And then after six months, 12, 18, suddenly every six months, you look back at what you were producing and what you're going to produce. And you go, wow, I think I figured this out. And every, I swear, it's every six to 12 months it happens where it's just the same thing. I go, Oh, I think I finally figured this out. And that's been happening for what, eight years now? It just keeps occurring. And so I think the learning is if you commit to being okay with, with making mistakes, you know, because you're not going to start at perfect. You just aren't at anything. And you commit to like, you, know, you said, hey, we're going to try 100 episodes. That is absolutely the way to approach it. Is like The goal is not to be successful. The goal is to try it. The goal is to produce the content so that you can get better at it. And that's through feedback, but also just through experience. And so that helped me a lot, you know, just accepting like, we're just gonna attempt this. Because the initial version was like, I had a $30 microphone in an extremely echoey room and didn't really know what I was doing. And over time, you know, developed that skill and got better at it. But like new, you know, maybe you get 40 episodes, your first, your 40 downloads, your first episode. Wow, that's exciting. And the next one you get 80 and then 100. And like, it does, it slowly ticks up. But at no point, you know, there's 3 million podcasts, and I'm 15,000th. Well, that puts me at top half percent. You know, you don't have to be Joe Rogan. You don't got to be number one. And then when you have that catalog, you know, that SEO, suddenly you get to a point where, you know, now it is, if you are researching Shopify in any way, it becomes simply a matter of time until through research, Googling, whatever, you will stumble across me and the stuff we produced. And so there's just, now there's this inherent body of work that says, well, this guy's a subject matter expert because I unintentionally ended up documenting the last decade of my career online through media.
0: Yeah, so go long, that's one.
1: Go long, be cool with screwing it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, just accept it'll be okay. And I think a lot of people obsess over, yeah, the sound quality. But the the content is what matters. You know, we started with a $30 Samson USB microphone and it was fine. Are you making fun of my microphone right now? It's way better than what we started with. No, but just like a good dynamic USB mic is all you need because it, it, with the sole advantage being that it rejects a lot of background noise. And like, that's the style of mic you're using, Assure MV7, Blue Yeti, like any of that style mic is going to be a dynamic microphone. And it's just, they don't pick up a lot of background noise. Like I got a fan running in here, you can't hear it. Yeah, that kind of thing.
0: So how if a D2C brand operator is thinking about starting one, or maybe they're participating going as guests on others, some might be a little bit more B2B focused podcasts, even though they're D2C operators, some actually might be true D2C, or it's a podcast for their customers. Are there any just specific learnings or tactics that you could share based on your, again, 500 or so episodes, 10 years?
1: I would start with edit it tighter than you think you should include a trailer, which is, like, that's a tough thing to do because it's like, hey, can you distill why anyone should care into 60 seconds? And you got to figure out the topic. And I don't think you can fake passion. And so it's like, if you own a store, you have a brand and you want to promote it, and the podcast is serving that brand, that store, and you, you have to be excited about the content and what you're doing. You know, because just the act of, of recording and getting it out as content, it mutes you, right? It's like, even if I go on TV and say, I'm not wearing any makeup, I'm wearing a little bit of makeup just to look alive under the lights. The same thing happens with audio, where I kind of had to learn like, all right, you're going to push yourself a little louder and really like trying to emphasize. And part of like, it's why I talk with my hands is like, I'm trying to work up that that level of energy because it's just like flattens you out. And so you got to be, you have to get comfortable with being 20% more you on mic. And that's a really hard and exhausting thing to fake if you're not genuinely excited. And so then you got to figure out the format. And that is tough too. Like, I struggle. It's just like, I could not do a 40-minute show in which I monologue, in which I'm the only person. And so I need someone to bounce off of. And like, my wife hosts a show about Disney World. And same deal. Like, initially, it's just her monologuing because she's a writer. But then she added me. And I'm just there as a sounding board. And now it gets the it gets better and there's some banter and there's some back and forth. And so it's like, what's your, do you have content to work from? Like she had blog articles to work from and she knew kind of what people's questions about planning were. And so can you create an outline around that and then make that content? And can you make it sound like you're not just reading off a Word doc? That's hard to do. And so that's the advantage of like the the two-person format where you have a co-host. Maybe you don't necessarily host it. You know, You like you want it to be super produced, like really polished to produce segments. That's the hardest one to do. Where it's like, you know, you're just piecing to get, like you've got all, you've got like three hours of content and you're going to piece it together and do a 20 minute show. The very time consuming. I wouldn't recommend starting that with that unless like you have editing experience, you know what you're doing. And the interview show, I think that's the most natural and that's the easiest to do. And I think that's why you see a lot of that for B2B. And a lot of that in D to C because all these things tend to be like niche. And so two people who are in the niche and are passionate about it can just go back and forth about it as long as you can keep it on topic, right? That's always always the issue, especially early on. And you know, you just edit it down until it makes sense.
0: Yeah. And you don't the pod doesn't have to be your brand name either. It can be what's the benefit? You know, what is the niche you're in, the vertical and your benefit? Who are your customer superstars? Make them the star of the show and about whatever you're enabling, whether it's ATVing and you know motorbiking or healthcare, or skincare, whatever it might be. I think there's, there is so much opportunity. And personally, the podcast, we're still early. Audio is still very, very early. You mentioned something at the beginning about the energy you have to bring. I can validate that. I think I was 15 to 20 episodes in when I first started. I was trying to do two per week. So I actually was, I was getting a little bit, a little tired and, and most of them were monologue. They were just me in the beginning, but it's talking about things that I'm very passionate about. And I got an email from a listener and was like, basically said, Hey, you sounded really tired or something to that effect. Please don't quit. Like don't quit doing this because the content has been amazing and I really enjoy it, but I could tell that you weren't really into it. So I saw that with my own eyes and went to one per week. I said, I can dedicate one, one per week and give it everything I have and make sure that I bring my A-game and not two C-game episodes because I said I was going to do two per week when I started.
1: Yeah, I think, well, it's just you said, you know, I want to bring my A-game. You're right. There's such a balance to strike. You know, we commit to one episode per week always. And I we have not missed it. We have not repurposed content in years, right? Like at least five years. And that's a commitment. And there's this great, in Tina Fey's book, she says, Lauren Michaels, would say, of Saturday Night Live. The show doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's Saturday. And it's, you don't, you want to view it as like this deliverable for your business that promotes your business and just publish, just force yourself to publish. Because if you're always like, I'm not going to do it until it's perfect. Well, then there's going to be a lot of unfinished episodes that never make the cut. And it's the only way to get better and make progress. And like every so often, I'll go back through and kind of like edit down our catalog where I'm like, all right, that wasn't a winner. I didn't love that one. This is no longer relevant. So for people who are starting from the beginning on a, ser- on a show like this, that way, like they have a better experience. I, did, I get an email from a, a listener and they're like, hey, your energy, like I'm used to, they said, I'm used to you exploding out of my speakers. And it's just not been the case lately. I hope you're okay. Please keep going. We love you. And it was the pandemic. It was like, you know, I was just wearing myself down, you know, committing to lockdown and doing the show from home. It was tough. And it comes, like, even if you don't think it comes across, it does, you know, some people will notice.
0: In our world, Elovar, we get a lot of questions on how to measure podcasts. So advertising, so a brand that's advertising on Huberman or some of these other big podcasts, Rogan, and how to measure the performance and impact of that. Now, if we flip the script how how do you measure the impact of your own p- podcast cuz that is it's a different way to think about it it may not be as mean there can be if we think through a d2c lens a direct like whether it's a coupon code whether it's a guest coupon code if there's a guest on but in general what are what are some of the non obvious ways that you are measuring the impact of your pod or what you've seen
1: across others i would say In the entire time I've done this, analytics is the most frustrating part of podcasts. You would think for a digital medium that you would have much better analytics than we do with podcasting. Not only do we have like really basic analytics, they're quite, they're often inaccurate. They're very easily gamed or skewed. You know, there are plenty of inexpensive services that'll do it for you. You know, they like just pump up your downloads. And that's frustrating, you know, for me because I want to know it's like well what are what are the episodes that have impact what are the ones that extend reach what are the things that that people want to hear it's so hard to do and so there's the an attempt to fix it is iab certified analytics so if you're looking at your analytics whatever like host platform whatever it is you want to make sure they're iab certified and that will generally iab certified analytics are going to cut take those raw download numbers and like filter it down to at least half of those raw numbers. And so that's what we use, you know, and that was the first time we switched to that. That hurt to see all those downloads go away. It does. Oh, painful. Because there's just a lot of BS downloads that don't go anywhere. It's like a device grabs it, you know, caching, all these reasons that look like a download but aren't. And so like you have to immediately take podcast analytics with a grain of salt. And the less popular the show gets, the more wildly skewed the data becomes just because you don't have that sample size. But at the same time, you can't compare impressions on podcasts to something like TikTok. Because in you know, a TikTok, I looked at the video for three seconds. A podcast, I l- listened, I spent my day, I spent maybe 40 minutes of my day with this person in my ears. It is just such a personal medium. It's much, it's high impact. And so there's more value to those impressions. But as far as like measuring the impact, it's so hard. I like listen notes, you know, to see, to try and figure out like overall ranking, you know, where that podcast is at. Listen notes build themselves. This is the Nielsen of podcast ratings. I don't know if it's true, but I've you know been into it enough to know that like the top 10% that it shows, those are probably about right. Uh, the, both podcasts, it's, the, the way we've done it is like, all right, similar to how'd you hear about us, attribution. You know, did you get any of that? Did you hear it on a podcast? Like, that's one way to track it. You know, that has its own issues, but it's better than nothing because it's self-reporting. Coupon codes work, but there's a lot of breakage built into that, you know, so I like that. And we use, we use coupon codes to track attribution. Special offer sending people landing pages works. But again, it's like you're only seeing a fraction of the total. Because there's just it is so physically disconnected from the internet. It's like, well, I downloaded it to my phone, I listened to it on my phone, but the actual audio in the you know, there's no links, there's no call to act. That's the tough part with it. Yeah, but and it's easy to game, so people are just get like an unscrupulous advertiser could just juice those numbers but it's like oh you know I'm sure there's a dude on Fiverr who'll be like oh will jack up your downloads
0: yeah <laughs> but in general brand I think just brand lift or like the one-to-one the very personal conversation that you get to have I think that's critical maybe if you're in a high AOV segment having those intimate conversations that can make it the time investment more worth it
1: I like the idea of doing customer customer interviews and it's like you're passionate so it becomes an issue edu- like Let's say you do, you sold 3D printers. You know, you sell, that's like a good high AOV item, right? And it's technical and it's hobbyist and it's niche. And so you do a show and it's like, well, here's the latest news. Here's, I'm going I'm to do a discussion topic and maybe you're plugged into communities and forums and you know your own customer support questions. And so you're going to answer those on air. And like, that's 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 a show. You could do 30 minutes of that easily. And then say, you're going to, a review, you could do that. Hey, behind the scenes, we're going to show you what we're working on. That's a show. And the and then customer interviews. Like, hey, this guy emailed me. He said he's doing this really cool thing. He's got like, you know, 10 printers set up and he's selling on Etsy. Well, when that guy, he's proud of it. And so he reached out to you. And so you're going to, hey, come on, come on the show. Oh my gosh, now you have rewarded that customer. You have elevated them. You have showcased them. You got to know them. You got to pick their brain. The fact that you should have done that anyway, the fact that it became a podcast, that, that's just like a bonus for everybody else. And that, those are the best podcasts where it's like, well, it's two people who are passionate. You're just listening in. Ooh, I like that idea a lot for brands. But it's just, you know, it's such a time investment. Like your business really has to be working on its own for you to be you know, thinking about the podcast. Because no matter what, it's going to be half a day minimum. If you're doing a weekly show, you're putting half a day minimum into it. And so you have to be able to step away. And it's, you know, it's deep work. Cause it's like, well, I've got to find the guest or prepare the topic outline either way. And then I got to record it. We got to edit it down while well, I'm still not done, right? And now I have to prepare show notes and I have to prepare episode art. And I need to gather all the links that were mentioned and put those in the show notes. Now I have to promote it. And so well, I'm also going to edit it for video. I'll upload that to YouTube. I'm going to take that and dump it into an AI tool called Opus Clips. Opus Clips is going to give me a series of clips. I'm gonna send that to my social media person. She's gonna post that on TikTok. Oh, you can see where like pretty quickly I'm now like 20 hours into a 40-minute podcast.
0: Yeah. As I'm I'm trying to catch some of these notes right now, the Opus clips for the show, <laughs> some of the links to to uh...
1: Opus clips is good. For show notes, I'm now I tried to cast magic is cool. It'll do it in AI. I now just do it with ChatGPT, like I have. I put I get the transcript from Riverside. I use a tool that splits it up so I could just paste it into ChatGPT.
0: Oh, I was going to ask for that because because there's a character limit. You get, I was messing with this over the holidays. Yeah, I was trying to...
1: There's a character limit. And so I used to like have to manually try and split it and that that sucked. There's a tool called the ChatGPT prompt splitter. I'll just send you the link right now so you could include that in the show notes. I use that to put the transcript in ChatGPT. And then I have an outline. This is the trick to get ChatGPT to write and not have it sound like total stilted. High schooler who didn't do the homework garbage, is you go hey what like here's the context you're working in. I want you to write show notes for it for me. And follow this outline, and then I give it an outline using copywriting formula. And I provided you one of these for an ad read, and I in the outline of the the copywriting formula, it's like this. You're gonna follow this, and also here's like you know open with a hook. This is what a hook looks like. Here is an example, and then it nails it. And you can use this with all kinds of content. You know what? You got to include it in the notes here. I'll, let me grab the, the prompt and put it in the chat for you.
0: The chat, G, all right, I got it. Oh, nice. All right, link, link will be in the show notes for this amazing tool. I can validate the, what you sent over was pretty legitimate last week. So top three interviews, going back to your depth of knowledge and the who and the what you've learned over 10 years, what are your top three and why? And no specific order. no. Yeah, that's not a, like a one, two, three. Here's the cool
1: part about doing an interview podcast. It's a Trojan horse. If there is someone interesting out there in the world and you want to talk to them, just one-on-one, pick their brain, no holds barred, 30 to 60 minutes, how would you possibly do that? A podcast gives you a thing of value to offer them and it gives you context and it gives you a safe way to do it. And so like, there's this YouTuber I thought was really interesting, Disney Dan. And I was like, I bet that guy knows how to make a YouTube channel and that would be useful for e-commerce merchants. And so I invited him on the show. He's like, I'd love to because podcasts are great for promoting yourself. And so he came on the show. I got to pick that guy's brain. I've always enjoyed Rand Fishkin, who used to do, he's you know founded Moz.com and he would do Whiteboard Friday. And it's you know, still around, still as, as busy as ever. And so I'd say, I reached out to Rand and I said, man, I loved your talk. You should come do this show. Th- didn't even think twice about it. He's like, absolutely. And so Rand Fishkin's advice in which he's like, look, you know, SEO, like, you've, you know, you've got that short-term strategy of of Google ads and all that stuff. He's like, but you also want the long-term strategy of organic content. And he's like, podcasts are just an absolute great way to do that. And of course, that spoke to my my loves, my interests, and my preconceived ideas. So that's, I love that episode. You know, Rand giving like practical advice and organic backlinks, SEO, and content generation.
0: Man knows a, f- a thing or two about organic search.
1: Yeah, for sure. And he just, like, he's a great presenter. He's a ton of fun. And then there was a, an episode with Ben Negendorf, who I have always been like death on drop shipping. I like the people who make and manufacture products. But that's, truthfully, that's not the majority of e-commerce. The majority is dropshipping. And so I was doing it a disservice by not including, you know, as much dropshipping info in my show. And Ben Negendorf said, hey, here's, he's like, I agree with you. And here's the better way to do it. And so that example of like the 3D printer, I didn't come up with that. That was him. He's like, if you're going to dropship, make it something worthwhile. (laughs) You know, make it expensive, make it good, make it technical. And I got a lot of that. Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify, he was on the show last year. That was exciting. Ask Harley if he wants to come on and talk some conversion tracking. I think there's a decent chance you get him to say yes. I mean, he, he's committed to the community. He's active in his space. And so when someone respected like yourself in the community asks, it's worth a shot. And then the, the last one off the top of my head that I really was very into, well, now I forgot.
0: All right, I'm emailing Harley right now.
1: There is a common theme to them, though, and it's a person has a pain or problem in their life. Then they see that the existing solutions out there do not actually solve this pain or problem. And then they go, well, why not me? Why can't I figure this out? And then they do. They come up with a solution. And that's like how 80% of consumer product businesses start. Is someone just going, well, why not me?
0: Yeah. Well, you can just look at your Disney Dan, the YouTuber, Rand. If you were to put a Mount Rushmore of organic... Influencers or the knowledge, everyone, the the know-it-all knowledge, Rand would be on that, Mount Rushmore for SEO and organic search, Ben with drop shipping. So very vertical experts, probably because the knowledge goes far deeper than what you would anticipate. Going potentially going into the interview. maybe you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm my mind is about to get blown here, but that's that stood out to me as you're going through the list. It wasn't wasn't broad. It was just someone who's very, very deep in a specific vertical. And you probably learned a lot and probably got a lot of good feedback from listeners, I would think.
1: Yeah, you get subject matter experts are always interesting because they know if the person you're talking to knows 10% more than you, they are fundamentally they're the expert. And like, of course, you know, they probably have imposter syndrome. We all do to some degree. And but once you start pulling a thread, you know, where you ask the obvious high level question and then you're like, wait a second, and you just like start discovering how deep it goes when you truly, truly understand something, then it 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 gets very interesting to s- discover like, oh, this is way more complicated than I thought, or, you know, this did not work the way I thought at all. I love those situations where like I am proved wrong. The where I, you know, my my preconceived ideas were totally wrong. You know, drop shipping was one of them. SEO, I've often I know the importance of SEO, but also I've dealt with a lot of SEO snake oil. And so Rand being like, no, no, here's like the very practical, realistic approach, a relief. You know, often I'm delighted to be proven wrong in those scenarios.
0: Where do you go for inspiration in your own learning? Beside your podcast, bring on experts to come on, but I think we're just to set the stage a little bit. My when I'm looking to learn something new, I typically will go very deep by a couple of books that are around the same topic, potentially listen to podcasts around it, articles. But I, if, if I, there's a problem or something over the next three, three months that I need to learn, learn about, I just go really deep and go find audio, video, text and go deep. What do you do? In your inspiration and, and learning
1: I'm a practitioner. I want to be able to do, and I love that and I respect other practitioners and it doesn't matter what you're what you're making doing, creating you're an expert at It's like that guy's a plastic surgeon, oh my gosh, he, like he rearranges people's faces. I can't do that that's amazing, but like they're doing the work, you know whatever it is and or like producing a podcast like that's such a scary personal thing, you know whatever it is and so I whenever i get into a hobby interest project skill oh I, that's what i want like at the end of it do i have a skill have i learned a new perspective can i do something differently that's what i want i want new skills in my toolbox so can i teach myself and for me that means i'm going to look at i'm going to look at reviews i'm going to look at youtube how to videos if you can create educational how to content youtube does very well for that and I want, and then I want to, like, once I have a, a good enough understanding, I want to immerse myself in the community. I want to see, you know, whether that's, then that's going to come in the form of either a Facebook group or a subreddit. And that's just, you know, that's me. That's my personality. I like those things. And once I'm immersed in that, that's when I'm really going to start to get the value out of it. And if I can go that far, okay, then I could probably master it. You know, like over the pandemic, I started growing plants hydroponically in my basement. You know, people had victory gardens. I had a hydro farm in my basement and I I fed, I grew basil and I fed my rabbits with it. The, but I didn't know any, I'd never grown. I've never planted anything in my life. I knew nothing and I really struggled until suddenly I got it and I loved it. And then I recently, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna learn Python scripting. Like I'm gonna, like all kinds of just small skills to solve problems or pastime, time, you know, hobbies, interests. You want to go deep on those things and master them. and Because you never know what it's going to turn into later. It's like during the pandemic, I bought an arcade cabinet and I I put a little Raspberry Pi computer in there and I, I ran emulators on it. And three years later, the thing has turned into like this outrageous machine. But in the process, it taught me command line interfaces, Linux, Python scripting, data management, like going through spreadsheets. That's all stuff I use today. That, like, even last week, I was just thinking, like, working on a project involving data migration for a client. I'm like, I learned every one of these skills. I really honed because of a stupid arcade machine. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the advantage to exploring that stuff and mastering it.
0: Interesting, the, the DIYer. I, l- I like it. So, as we land this plane, last question for you what What are the top three? Three is an arbitrary number, but hidden Shopify gems. So it could be a feature that most don't use it could be a particular app or agency or freelancer, or consultants, anything.
1: So app, probably matrixify. It's a oh yeah. And it's it seems like a, a boring thing. It lets you export spreadsheets and it lets you import spreadsheets. It doesn't sound particularly exciting.
0: When I came from the world of Magento and you RapidFlow and I was coming over to Shopify and then I yeah I came across Matrixify my mind was blown because I, you, flow I love the Magento. And then, yeah, so I used, used them quite a bit in my early Shopify days.
1: Yeah, being able to just get, you can get any piece of data out of Shopify as a spreadsheet and then update it, manipulate it, do whatever with it, and then import it back in and have it update. It's just an incredible like if you're when you've hit that power user level status, that is a a tremendous tool that we use in a majority of, of client stores. The so I'd say for like hidden gem app that a lot of merchants are unaware of or don't use is, is Matrixify. Just is like a time saver. And that again assumes you're comfortable with spreadsheets for feature man the one that people need to adopt and get on is online store 2.0 and metafields being able you know the issue with shopify in the past is you had all your content lived in so many places and now you have the ability to content's going to live in the admin and style is going to live in the theme and that's with metafields now like you know you said you came from Magento I came from WordPress WordPress we could do custom fields you know it was a CMS we could mess with it and we lost a lot of that moving to Shopify. Well, now Metafields, the way they're set up now, works like that, but better and easier. And so, it, it just being able to manage like all these extra fields and these additional details templates in Shopify because making really long form product pages—that's where the magic is. Like you want to bump conversions, make a lo- take your bestseller and make its product page three times as long with a bunch of extra info. Yeah. I don't know if that counts as one feature or two. Online store 2.0. Yeah, online store 2.0. I think
0: that's good. Yeah, any others? Any, it could be another, another feature.
1: Checkout extensibility, you know, is the new version of the checkout. I don't see like the stores I log into, it'll be like, hey, set this up. And no one knows if they should or not. I think a lot of merchants are like hesitant that, oh, you know, if I mess with this, I'll break something. Very few things you can't undo. And so it's, oftentimes it's worthwhile to experiment just so you can understand it. And then that lets you communicate it to other people, to developers. But that checkout extensibility really gives you an easy way to drop apps into the checkout that you would not have had before. And just put a cross-sell. Just put a cross-sell in the checkout. And checkout extensibility is what lets you do that. It's also what's going to shortly give us all access to one-page checkout, which I've not played with yet, but I would love to.
0: I'm waiting. I'm waiting for some before-after conversion results on that. I shared something on LinkedIn last week. I it was Friday afternoon. I didn't get a ton of responses. I was hoping to get some data points around bef- before-after for those upgraded and, and around the one-page checkout. So hopefully in pre-Q4, we'll get some more data numbers on that. Well, Kurt, thanks for joining. Where can folks find you and or your, your companies?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Google me, head to and I've got links to everything there in a newsletter or, you know, subscribe to the unofficial Shopify podcast. If you enjoyed this one, you, similar thing, you'll enjoy it. More sound
0: effects, anyways.
1: <laughs> More sound effects. Jack Nasty.
0: All right, give us one little John before we wrap it
1: up. What?
0: Or something better. Yeah.
1: You know, my favorite, the one I do is like anytime someone mentions like WordPress or Magento, I go, ew. <laughs> it's Alexis from Shit's Creek. Ew.
0: Yeah. All right, Kurt, thanks for jumping on. See everyone in the next step. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.